Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Matt, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports Show, as we're here every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live on Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, we call a sports historian, famous, legendary, Hall of Fame boxing writer himself, Jack Hirsch, and our legend, the two-time Super Bowl champion, greatest defensive end, and Dallas Cowboys history, Jim Jeffco. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Give Jim the glowing introduction. He has a big following. I don't. So, uh, well, we, yeah. You know, let's but, shift all the credit to but Jim. Jack, as you pose your sensitive side, you're going to have a bigger following. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Talk about I'm things. riding on your coattails, Jim, in this show. Mac is too, but I'll just yes, talk. Yes. Yes. I, I follow. I go on everybody's coattails out there. So, guys. We have a lot of stuff in sports, as always. We got the, uh, we made it to the Elite Eight. So we'll be talking about that later with Keith Angle. We, of course, have the NBA revving up as it's getting ready to the playoffs. We have NFL always in the news. So let's let's start with with one of the stories that kind of cover everything. And I forgot to mention the NHL is getting close to the playoffs, too. And we talked about this earlier this week. Now, in all the United States, and we have a lot of different states with a lot of different uh, uh, outlooks on politics and sports and how they do things. Well, New York was the last state kind of holding out with the COVID restrictions, right? No private businesses uh, could be open without masks, and there had to be the vaccinations. And the mayor of New York came out and says, listen. I don't care about sports. It's not my major concern. My major concern is the, you know, the uh, people of New York. Very nicely said. But in a week or two, of course, he changed the restrictions with all these sports coming up. And even though he just got elected, as Jack mentioned, he just got elected. You don't want on your resume. You're the mayor that doesn't. Eric Adams. Thank you for, for pointing out his name. That that you don't want to be on the resume of you're the only. Uh, a state in the union that decides, well, hey, listen, I don't care about the playoffs. I don't care about opening day. I don't care. Listen, we're going to keep our restrictions the way it is. And you're going to have to explain to businesses later why they could make money off of these big things. So COVID was lifted. The Major League Baseball season will open up with the Yankees and the Mets stadiums full of fans, playing whether the players had vaccinations or not. Kyrie Irving is free to play in Brooklyn, and the Rangers are free to have their stadium packed as they move towards the playoffs. So, guys, let me ask you. I mean, to me, all along, and I've said this on the show a lot, this has been a very hypocritical time as far as dealing with COVID. What's good for this is not good for that. (laughs) The fans got to wear masks. The players don't have to wear a mask on the field. You know, boxers breathing heavy on each other. Football players breathing right face to face. Don't need this. And Have we put this to rest? You know, we know there's going to be other variables coming in. We know there's going to be different, different things with this COVID stuff. Are we finally saying this is just the flu? Let's deal with it. What do you think, Jack? Well, I think we need a little more consistency. You know what struck me yesterday? You mentioned the NCAA tournament. Watching the interview at halftime of the Duke game with Coach K and the commentator, 
he was practically face to face with her. They didn't have masks on. I mean, that was close contact. So, you know, it depends the venue where you are in Canada. They're still strict with the regulations with COVID. And I think Merrick Adams kind of felt a little pressure, not only because of Kyrie Irving and the Nets entering the playoffs, but because Aaron Judge, the Yankees' most popular player, hasn't been vaccinated, would he be allowed to play home games? And I think, you know, I think you feel the pressure after a while, even though he was just elected last November. So politically, he has a while to go until the next election. I think it kind of wears on you after a while, all the people complaining, the fans. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, people want to win. I mean, I hate saying it. And I think they got a little tired of the COVID situation and the hypocrisy. As you were saying, the stands are going to be packed at the Barclays Center, yet Kyrie Irving wasn't allowed to play because of the vaccine regulations. And the same thing at Yankee Stadium, Aaron Judge wouldn't be allowed to play, even though fans could get in, sit next to one another in the packed stadium. So it was kind of like overdue, unless there's a reemergence of the COVID situation, a new variant comes up. I think we've kind of we've kind of turned the corner, putting it behind us. Well, I think, so I think um, we have to look at it. You have choices, and you have choices, obviously, to be vaccinated or unvaccinated. But if we look at it, it affected more of the older population, and that's a crime in itself. And the majority of the people who are dying were either had underlying conditions or they were. Uh, older, for whatever reason, it affected them. They have a better understanding of COVID right now. Um, it's um, it's it's sad, but as we get the understanding of it, we know what it does to you. And I've had COVID before, and I've been vaccinated. I've gotten all my booster shots and all that, but I still had COVID, and it wasn't a a bad case. But I've seen people with bad cases and I've seen people with underlying conditions almost die. They were on ventilators and things of that. And that's what affects you. I got my parents are in their 80s and I'd be concerned if either one of them, my um, dad was asymptomatic. He's in a assisted living. So it, it affects you when you see relatives, friends uh, get COVID and you see a 30 year old die of it who seem relatively healthy. So you understand what they're doing. They're trying to protect the public. And like I said, your choice is to get vaccinated or not, but your choices also affect everybody. And I'm not saying right or wrong, but it does affect people because they don't know if you have COVID, the thing about it, you never know who has it and who doesn't. So that's just my you know, Pickle says, several, and I believe this is the fact that COVID's here to stay. It's a flu. I agree. It's like agree. Uh, just like the common flu. We're going to have to deal with it like we do the flu. Now, the, the beginning, a lot of people died. It was a lot of elderly people. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be as uh, uh, as lethal as it was. I don't know, um, but I mean, this is this is going to be the real world. It's going to keep as all flus do. It's going to keep changing and 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 growing and coming back. And that's the way it's going to be. And, and, and it's something that people are just going to have to deal with, whether you could do it without vaccinating or you need vaccinations, however you deal with it, 
fine. But I think I think for the I, most part, so team, wait, it's, it's, team Jim, do players resent other players not having gotten the shot, not allowed to play? Because I know Michael Irvin, okay, your friend with the Cowboys, he criticized the players who weren't getting shots. Uh, yeah, he was very critical of that. I mean, the guy, it's one thing publicly not to rip into a teammate, but is there that resentment in the locker room that they're trying to win and, you know, and the teammates not being loyal to them by not getting the shot? Well, here's the thing is the regulations, because if you have, if you didn't get vaccinated, then you were out for an extended period of time. I, I want to correct it and correct me if I'm wrong, 14 days. As opposed to if you did it, you now had a seven to ten day window, and that's the problem because you know when you lose a guy like Aaron Rodgers, even Kirk Cousins refused to get it, and Carson Wentz, but they were different types of teams. Aaron Rodgers proved his his uh, to his teammates. Kirk Cousins hadn't, and Carson Wentz didn't, and now they you know they're making a stand. Uh, Beasley uh, got cut up in Buffalo. Cole Beasley, because he refused to get it. It's different teams in different cultures, because every culture well, is not the same on teams. Well, folks, backstage right now is Keith Angle as we turn from New York, lifting the restrictions uh, so that their teams can play and fans can go and businesses can be open to make money. And, of course, Keith follows March Madness like nobody else, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about that and something – Aaron Judge said that really ticked off Jack. But let's get to Keith in the March Madness first. Good morning, Keith. How you doing? Hi, guys. How we doing this morning? Hey, Keith. Hey, Keith. Not how are you? Bad. Not too bad. So, Keith, let me get let me go down a little long version here of of what I think about right now the teams in the Elite Eight. Um, we talked a little bit about St. Peter's. The week before, the coach seemed calm. He seemed collected like they should be there. Big change after last game. <laughs> now, now, you yeah. know, to me, Keith, and, and this is what I was good at when I played sports and when I became a coach, was reading people and reading situations, my players, the other coaches, what, what, they, what they were saying and what they were doing. And I know Jim will agree with me this in this point. I don't care what any level you play at. Every team pretty much is equal. They they have they're human beings. They have their strengths and weaknesses. The coach has a scheme or a plan on a team, and the other coach does too. And pretty much it boils down to the will of them individual players and the will of that team to impose their will on the other team and get that other team messed up. And that's really what it all boils down to in sports. We can make it sound great and all these, we can throw a bunch of things and add it, but that's what it is. That's yeah. the essence. Knowing your players or knowing, knowing the situation and whether they can impose their wills or not. Cause if they can't, you're going to lose the game. And I don't care what else happens. I think Jim would agree with that. That's the, basic, the basics of it. And real quick example before we get to it. I We went to the playoffs. I took my team to the playoffs, and the refs were late to the game, right? So the other coach comes up to me and says, well, listen, the refs are late. Maybe we should just reschedule this to next week. I said, no, 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 no. We're here. We're ready to play. We'll wait for the refs. 
soon as he left, I turned to my defensive coordinator and said, we won this game. Because I knew right then that coach, for some reason, wasn't ready to play that game. And yeah. we did. And we did win. So long story short now, we get back to what I was talking about. The coach of the St. Peter's the week before, very calm. We're, we're a good team. We love to play basketball, blah, blah, blah. And we're not talking about Jim's insight about street thug mentality of New Jersey kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but after last game, he started celebrating. He was going crazy. You know, what are they saying about us now? The team is celebrating. And you know something? I believe, and I'm going to make a prediction here. I really believe this. That's all for St. Peter's. They just celebrated like they won the national championship. <clears throat> what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't totally disagree because I was a little taken aback by that that whole not just him, but and again to your point about the coach and his attitude carrying over to the players. The players were like totally out of control during that interview where he was saying, "What do you got to say now?" Right, and they were just like a mob scene again. They weren't doing anything that was untowardly or anything. They're just happy kids. I get that, but as you said, I think a big part of their success has been his. Uh, ability to stay calm, which has kept this team calm in big moments um, and able to rise, raise their game. You talk about the, the team and the players being able to pose their will or control the tempo of the game, I like to call it, especially in, in the tournament. Those teams are the most successful ones when they can control the turn, the tempo of the game. And the will, and the coach does have some uh, a lot of sway in, in imposing that will, as your, as your analogy and, and story uh, illustrated, uh, Mac. So he could have totally changed the whole mantra of that team uh, going into playing. Uh, uh, what they playing today? Or North Carolina, who's red hot, right? By the way, so, you know. they got to the final eight for the first time in the school's history. So no matter what happens, they more or less have won a championship. They went further than any other St. Peter's team. There's reason to celebrate. There's I agree. With you. I'm I'm yeah. with you, Jack. Yeah. I mean, they're the 15 seed. They're the first. 15 seed ever to make it to the elite eight. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to enjoy the moment because that moment is not going to come again. Yeah. And I agree with them and everybody can say what they want. Yeah. And what was the most impressive thing going against Purdue, Purdue had a guy seven, three. Got two big guys. I don't agree with the foul calls on them, but I mean, Purdue was way physically when you walked in there, uh, St. Peter's looked like kids that were playing on the block. They yeah. were playing out there in the, in the playgrounds. Purdue looked Jim, like me. Jim, I agree you should celebrate, all right? But there's but there's ways to celebrate, right? I mean, the, the thing that made St. Peter's to me so good was, yeah, we're supposed to win. Yeah, we're here. We're supposed to be here. Yeah, we're just playing basketball. And you got two more games. And they, may never, they, may, they may never get to an elite A again. You're you're right, but they may. But they have a chance to go to the championship this year. They're here and yes, now. So I don't, I don't think but, his overall message changed. That you know they sh- they can win and they should win, yes. right? But he just changed the way he delivered that message a little, a exactly. little bit more relatable. Exactly. And and they're right, the, uh, Jack and, and Jim are right. They're playing with house money, right? I mean, there's a lot of firsts here. The fifth first fifteen seed, St. Peter's never won a comp, uh, NCAA tournament game before. The MAC, the league they're representing, has never been to the Elite Eight. They never exactly. been to the Sweet Sixteen. And, um, and can you think about it? How do you cut that? 
Guys, how do you keep your emotions in check? <laughs> Look at the United States Olympic, famous Olympic ho- hockey team in 1980. They beat the Russians in the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, amazing upset. They were going crazy, but they had to play two days later. But what were they supposed to do? Beat the Russians and be very calm right after the game. It's so hard exactly. to control your emotions. That's a good analogy, yeah. But yeah. a different exactly. the, the, most people don't. Most people don't even remember that. You know, Jack. It's yeah. funny. The casual fan thinks that was the uh, gold medal game. That's that's why that's why he's the historian here. But it's apples and oranges. You just beat a team that beat the NHL All Stars. You're pros. It's a little bit different analogy. The team St. Peter's played did not beat the NBA pros. So let's well, let's not here's the thing. Let's put an analogy of football. Nobody expected Cincinnati to be this good this fast. Nobody expected them to beat Tennessee or teams they beat in the playoffs, but they did it. They didn't win the championship, but they did it. Enjoy the moment, cherish, because that moment doesn't come, especially in sports. I'm, again, Jim, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. All I'm saying yeah. it was big change, and that other team they played was playing scared. They didn't want to be the team to lose to St. Peter's. They didn't play their game. They were very yeah. timid, and I don't care how yeah. big they were. They kept looking at looking at the score, looking at St. Peter's like they were deers in headlights, uh, deer in headlights. I mean, they played not to lose, and that's why they lost that game. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens with St. Peter's. And I'm telling you guys, to me, the whole attitude changed there. And I think that they celebrated a little bit more in the locker room, and maybe we're a little bit more calmer again. Like, yeah, here we are. We're a good team. We play basketball. I think it does something for the team. Just my opinion. We'll there's there's a possibility well, he knows more than we do, too, and he knows that that's what that team needed at that moment instead of maybe. the other presence. Maybe. We'll find well, this, today, right? but. this is uh, kind of personal with Mac because I talked about Connecticut and Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit personal. We're the, Not we're at all, Jim. Not at all. Today, Jim. I don't remember who they're playing. Well, anyway. The U- UConn, I told him I'd get the UConn cheerleaders out uh, basketball team after. And, and, just, and just to let you know, before we push on the remarks that Jack and Keith made about Jim Chevko on Friday. Hold on, back up a Byron was in Byron Don't you believe Byron? Oh! Come on. The tape has been cut and saved and will be sent to Jim Chevko. Thank you. You Thank you. Working. I need to see this. I, I, this, yes. this story is being revised a little bit. I don't, oh, I mean, Jim no, Jim, oh, came no. up he's, out of my mouth. He started, wow. he started backpedaling, and after he said it, he knew what he said was true. <laughs> well, so I was going to see him on June say, 27th, and I thought I yes, should get Yeah. <laughs> so the other big story in the, in the, in the Elite Eight. The remarks were about New Jersey, not Jim Jeff. Oh, Jeff. my God. He's still trying to explain oh. it. Don't worry about it, Keith. <laughs> the, the, the film will speak for itself. Uh, the other big story in the Elite Eight, of course, is Duke, who seems to be playing at a different level. Uh, they're more aggressive. They're taking the ball to the hoop. They're playing yep. aggressive defense. It seems like a different team. And Coach K, of course, this is his last year. They may be a little bit more inspired. It just looks like they're just a, a better team come the end of the year right now, Keith. But the last yeah, team I- to beat them was North Carolina, right? Yeah, and they may see him again, right? Either way, that that side of the bracket is going to be an awesome uh, Final Four matchup. You either got Duke against St. Peter's, the two best stories in the tournament, Coach K. Right. Who you work for Duke or St. Peter's? You have such a great, compelling story. You kind of emotionally want one of them to win. Who do you root for? They're Good both question. great stories. 
Listen, we talked Friday a little bit that, you know, Duke, I thought, really got a huge lift at the end of that Michigan State game uh, in the round of 32 in the, uh, the second round when they had to go on a 22-6 to six run to win the game. Michigan State looked like they had that game in hand. And that's the kind of game that can propel a team, you know, through the, through the rest of the tournament. And this team's playing great basketball. I mean, Arkansas was not good last night. I mean, they shot the ball horrendously. Yeah. Duke out round out rebounding them. They just looked like they wanted the ball the win. Guys, more a little rounds. question. Duke's up nine points with fifty seconds to go. And Arkansas lets them run the clock out, basically. They don't foul. I mean, I know it's a long shot, but fifty seconds, you have a, a slim chance still. Maybe a very right. small one, but it's not really over over. You know, you, you you steal the ball, you hit a three, they miss a couple of foul shots. I mean, crazy things could happen in that situation, but they didn't even, you know, make the effort. 50 yeah. seconds. I mean, it wasn't like 20 seconds, 50 seconds. Well, that's an eternity in these games. As you know, they go on for 50 seconds can go on for a half an hour in these that's games. And uh, it, I was a little shocked too, but Musselman may have just watched his team shoot all night and said, you know, there's no, <laughs> nothing's happening here, so. Because they were not good. They they got out of their game. You talk about, again, controlling tempo of the game. Duke took Arkansas out of what they like to do, which is go to the basket and get to the foul line. That's how they win. And they played great defense. And Duke just was much better last night, much better prepared. So we got, we got, we got, uh, uh, it's rounded up, I think, to be a really interesting uh, uh, championship, the lead eight, the final four. I think there's a lot of great stories, even if the teams don't make it. It's been a real great March Madness, really, if you, if you follow, even if you don't follow college basketball. I see a lot of people stopping and watching, yeah. uh, even just casual, they're just interested in what's going on, especially with the big stories going out there. Great, so, great turn. Let's let's turn our attention to the Yankees and Aaron Judge as they're doing and and you know I kind of went off on Aaron Judge Friday. I went off on him again on. It went off on me. What are you talking about? Uh, Yeah, you too. (laughs) But but you know I mean you know they the Yankees are going to offer him seventeen million. They want twenty million, and and you know uh, out of uh, Judge's mouth, which I guess I didn't see it. Jack heard it or saw it. And they asked him, you know, what's the, you know, 17 million, 20 million, what's the prices? Well, I got to feed my family. Now, again, it doesn't surprise me that players today are so out of touch with people that are, you know, the prices are going up, the cost of living is going up, people are working just to get by and, and struggling, maybe not paying a certain bill so they can pay another. <clears throat> Here's a guy. That's going to make at least seventeen million dollars this year. Saying he has to feed his family. What are your thoughts, Keith? Well, that's a stupid comment to make. I agree. I mean, it, it's that's a ridiculous thing to say. That that does not mean I don't think he deserves to get paid. Again, you're going to pay Josh Donaldson twenty million dollars these next two years, guaranteed. Who's worth more? Who's worth more than his team? John Donaldson or or Aaron Judge? Jeez, Aaron Judge. For all the things you guys want to. Say, some guys want to say, and you're one of them, Mac, about Aaron Judge. Four, five full years, four full years that we throw out COVID, he's been in the major leagues. Two of those years, he finished in the top five in the MVP voting. Another year, he finished 12th. For all those people want to say, oh, he doesn't contribute, does not on the field en- enough. He's had two years that were, again, top two MVP uh, voting. He's been, he's been waiting all week to get me. He's been waiting. He's been, he's been waiting all week for this. Keith, he's only played two full years. 
Only that's all he's played. And he was up. He was at the top five in the MVP voting both of those years. Uh, both. But anyway, he was hit are we looking at the, the individual results or the team results? Well, the teams. Well, they all made the playoffs, and you know, again, he didn't. He wasn't the reason they didn't win playoff games. I can he tell you that. He wasn't a reason that they did win a playoff game. He Keep played in up. all of those playoff we're, games. All of those playoff games. We're talking. We're talking about his comment. And you're replying oh, no, to that. Comment, look at. I'm not going to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, but you backpedaled. You no, said yeah, that was not the right thing to say. But then you said, but he should be getting paid. Seventeen Both million dollars. Seventeen million dollars. He is getting paid. Both and I, what all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, we got to stop comparing them to each other. We got to start bringing them down to earth a little bit here, dude. You got to think about what you say. To be the face of the Yankees and say something like that is totally ridiculous. Well, Sprewell said the same thing, and they raked him over the coals for that. Well, he can't compare Because he had the interaction, the unfortunate one with P.J. Carlissimo. Sprewell was an easy target, but because everyone loves Aaron Judge, a lily clean image, no one is really criticizing him for it. But he said the same thing that Sprewell said. Well, well, Mac is criticizing him, and he rightly so. Listen, I I didn't backpedal. I said that's a stupid thing to say. But both things can be true. That's stupid to say, and he should get paid. The Yankees do. I told you this the other day. The Yankees have a history of of loving other guys, other teams' players more than their own, and not paying guys who have come up through the ranks and produced and given to this team. And I don't care. You can say he's been hurt, and he has, but he still produced all, two near MVP seasons in those four. Because COVID, I will not count. Sorry. Um, in those four seasons, two MVP caliber seasons. I mean, Josh yeah, Johnson, yes, you think you, I think, Mac, you praised not to change the subject. I know it's comparing and you don't want me to do that. But I think you praised Donaldson coming in here. Let's look at how much he's played in the last five years compared to Judge. It's about the same. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't praise Donaldson. I said that it wasn't a bad a bad trade according to what the Yankees had. That's all well, I said. Sanchez, I, I said Sanchez. it wasn't a bad. I said it wasn't a bad move. All I'm saying, Keith, is we give these players a pass because we say, oh, they should get paid. And for two two years of four to me is not a long enough span to prove to me that Aaron Judge is the answer to the Yankees. Jack went as far as saying, I don't care if they trade him if that's his attitude. And you know something? I, I, I just think, Keith, that not just Aaron Judge. I'm not just saying Aaron Judge. I like to get you wound up. I'm saying that the players today are, this is how they think. And we don't think they think like that. We think, oh, yeah, they're getting paid. Oh, blah, no. blah, they're, they're good guys. They are out of touch with the American public. And baseball has a terrible way of promoting itself to begin with. A terrible way. To promote itself and this just makes it look worse they're not signing autographs they're not paying attention to the fans they're not getting in the communities they're doing not all these things and then to stand back there and say something that stupid and i don't care if it's Aaron judge or anybody else it just shows me that these guys are so out of touch that that maybe they need an awakening and i don't know how you do it but i think they do yeah, I'm not again, I'm not excusing his comments. And when you take it in that broader sense, I totally agree with you that, you know, the whole lockout, neither side don't you know, the owners are not 
are not are not doing the fans and and the public any good either or the play or the or the peripheral people that are affected by you know no baseball or the high salaries right the people who work in the vendors the, the right. drivers everybody you're it's right. a whole trickle down effect agree agree with everything you're saying there but I know Aaron Judge is a touchy subject, so every time you come on, I'm going to bring him up a little bit. I love Aaron Judge, and he needs to stay here. All right. One asking around you, Keith. Have a great day. I hope I didn't upset you too much for your show. That's all. That's what's there. I love this. We don't need to know everything all the time. Exactly. Exactly, Keith. What you said, you and Oh, don't worry. You're gonna find out. He's gonna be doctor the tapes. I know he is. I know what's gonna happen. Oh, I don't think I have to keep. I'm TGI gonna be on the bottom of with Jack now. Keith, Keith Hagel, TGI Sports, great show, great host. <laughs> Keith and Byron, 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 you have to lump in Byron with Keith and myself. Listen, Byron, Byron and Jim, Byron good. and Jim, Byron and Jim are friends. I need a guy to. Well, the way Byron was talking about Jim, I mean, you guys, you guys, I was say was joking around. See, you notice what happened was is we went fishing on um, Saturday. Right. We went to a fishing tournament and fished it, and Byron, obviously, this didn't come up because Byron stayed away from me because obviously, (laughs) being from New Jersey, I can swim really well, and Byron being from Texas. He lived out there in Texarkana. He can't swim, and he know I would have pushed him in the lake. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the other. I'll tell you the other reason later, Jim. But we got to let Keith go. Let him get to the show. Oh, yeah. Bring up. Don't let me defend myself. No. <laughs> Take it easy, Keith. Have a good one. Uh, wow, you threw Byron under the bus. <laughs> oh man, Jack did. Jack, that's supposed to be Jack's buddy. And every time, every time. Every time Byron comes on, Jack stirs the pot with Byron, getting him talking about you, and then he just sits back. And he and, and he and this is his friend, Jack. Don't don't be his enemy, Jim. Don't be his enemy. Let's bring up <laughs> let's bring up Robert Butler and get him on here and see what he's got to say. Robert Butler, sports scope, also in his sports sports van uh, tracker where he drives everywhere. There's sports. He's he's a great great host, great sports guy. Let's bring him up and talk to him. Hey, it's not a van, but I'll go along with it. It makes sounds more interesting. It sounds more it does, it does, it does. chasing tornadoes see, like uh, sports I, I like see, tornadoes, you know. Yes, I see your views ticking up as we continue to talk about your sports van tracker as Robert drives right, right to the things that are happening out there. So, Robert, Man. we we have you on here to talk about the biggest sporting breaking news and in, in, in your opinion and commentary. Bring up some facts. And, it's a great piece you do here for us. So, of course, we want to get right away to, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson. With he He's introduced as the Cleveland Browns quarterback. He goes on. He says, you know, of course, he says all the right things. He says, I respect women. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I will, you know, I, uh, my name will be cleared. Uh, the GM is saying he'll be good in the community and all this good stuff. You know, so when you looked at that press conference, Anything jump out at you? Do you think he handled it right? And do you think do you think the Cleveland Brown fans will be able to separate, uh, you know, the off field and the on field? What do you think, Rob? I think they will, guys. Uh, the the media and uh, of the internet, he's being raked over the coals. Uh, I think the people say, "Well, I do admit I should have did this right or that right." 
but he still has those pending civil litigations. I'm sure that's what his lawyer told him to say. Don't admit any kind of wrongdoing. You respect women. He probably basically wrote that uh, Rusty Harden post. I mean, I don't know for sure, but in my opinion, you know, he wrote that uh, script for Deshaun Watson, and he went with that. And I think once he gets in there and starts playing, I don't think he should get suspended, but we will see. We will see. Uh, I, I think the, it'll be water under the bridge and the outrage crowd will move on to something else to be outraged. Guys, also two grand juries found him. You know, they didn't proceed in trial. They yeah, didn't find him guilty true. of anything. And that's, and that, that's, that's important. He didn't even go to trial for criminal charges. These civil cases, let's see what happens. Reportedly, he hasn't wanted to settle, Okay. I mean, we just assume because it's 22 charges, 22 women, people assuming that Deshaun Watson is guilty. I mean, let, let's wait and see. Okay. Right. I agree. Well, yeah. And, and I do to a point, too. I think you said he was found not guilty. He was not found not guilty. There was not enough evidence. Never charged. Yeah. Right. There was not enough evidence to proceed. So this starts, we get into the season. Watson has a suspension, doesn't have a suspension. And all of a sudden, there's news that comes down. Jack brought it up that these women were paid off in one way or another. Does that change the outlook on Watson, even though he may have just done that to get rid of the problem? Because a lot of people do that. They don't want the cost. They don't want the, they want the publicity. They just want the problem resolved. But what would be the perception, you think, Robert, if he pays off these 22 women? Oh, I, I think he's just a lose-lose as far as perception is concerned. Uh, he, he just needs to go out there, win games, and put it behind him, if you ask me. And in the NFL, I mean, I you know, Roger Cadell, I've been on him on my show about this for the last two years, but particularly the last few months. He keeps these stories in the news when they do their investigation outside of the legal ramifications. I mentioned this on my show, guys. Joe Mixon assaulted a woman on camera his freshman year, Jim. Yeah, you're uh, right. At Oklahoma. He was a second round pick with Cincinnati. Very similar. This this assault, guys, was similar to the Ray Rice assault. He was not suspended today. Not a no. game, not fine, nothing. And Tyree he played Hill. in the Super Bowl last year. So where's the consistency from the NFL, guys? Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, I forgot about. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. And then in the NFL. So well, what about no one's talking about Kamara with what happened out in Las Vegas? How what's the NFL going to do about it? But this is a question: Should the NFL do anything at all? Should it just be the court system? And you know, if someone's not found guilty, they're not incarcerated. Should the NFL act up, period? Should they, you know, more or less be the guardians of how players behave? That's too logical. Roger Cordell don't want to do that. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Well, they got issues, too, because now what's happening with the owners, players are going to come back and they're going to say, wait a minute, you're going to suspend me? And look at what this owner did. Obviously, Kraft, Jerry Jones. He was uh, charged yeah, and found I'm not guilty. Yeah, and Snyder. I mean, Daniel Snyder. Yeah, I researched yeah, that this week. The uh, the the Robert Kraft issue. Uh, he was charged, not mm -hmm. guilty. Uh, evidence destroyed. 
uh, ordered by a judge. They could not go public with that film with the massage parlor in Jupiter, Florida. And nothing happened, no fine, no nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's well, the what, owners vote on Goodell's job, Jim. So why would Goodell come down on the owners? Because then my point is, and I keep, I, and me and uh, Mac argued about this last week. My point is, is they're still going to have, if they do that, now they're going to have bigger problems because they're going to take it to court. Just like what happened. They're going to say, wait a minute. We got double standards here. We're letting the owners get away with this, but we're not letting the players. I don't agree with it. Yeah. But that's just the reality of it. Well, well, there was no argument about whether they 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 could if there was no signed agreement. Yeah. You know, once you sign that agreement, regular law, the union, I was in the union before, regular law, they don't want to hear you. That is an agreement your union signed with. They won't overstep that boundaries because you Giselle signed is it. in a bad position and, right and, now. And, I don't know. And, there, and, and there's one thing to be said, and I'm not defending uh, Goodell at all, but if he doesn't take action, and this guy's going to court for two years, and it winds up that he's one of the most, uh, I, I'm just going to throw out an extreme, a serial killer rapist, and he's yeah. letting them play, what would that look like for the NFL? The, I, I think that I think you've got to have some kind of, as as Carlos said, consistency. You can't have one for one. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But Mac, you mentioned that Deshaun Watson at the press conference, the owner Jimmy Haslam wasn't there. To right. me, that's a punk move for the owner not being there. The GM Arthur Berry, I think the name is he, a young Andrew man. Berry. He looked so nervous. I mean, I never saw he looked so uncomfortable being there having to answer questions. And they answered in such a generic political way that where they were so vague, where it was all rehearsed. I mean, Deshaun Watson came off even actually looking better than his coach and GM. At least his demeanor seemed to be somewhat calm. But the other two, I mean, they were nervous. Yeah. Yes. Well, it was interesting about that uh, press conference. Haslett did comment on it. And he yes. said this was not an ownership choice. This was a football operations choice to get Deshaun in and, and get Deshaun Watson. And that was interesting that he said that. There you go. Taking taking the easy way out or covering his butt. <laughs> in the, yep. in the uh, Robert, so let's get yeah. to the two big position. I call it position signings, wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Ty, Tyreek Hill, the best receivers in, 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 in the league. There's no doubt about it. Got traded for a boatload of, of, of picks, signed for an unbelievable amount of money. Two things in common they have. The Raiders and the Dolphins have two new head coaches replacing head coaches that were successful. Whether, you, whether they won the Super Bowl, they were successful coaches. So it looks like the strategy is kind of changing there as it looks like they're going to start throwing the ball more. With that being said, if the Raiders and or the Dolphins don't go to the Super Bowl in the next three years, is, are these trades and signings a bust? Well, I, I think for the Raiders, you've, you've already made the playoffs. You know Derek Carr's the franchise quarterback. Uh, you spent a lot of money on McDaniels. You want to bring in the guy as equal as you can to John Gruden. I think the Raiders go, yes, get to the Super Bowl. As far as the Dolphins, it's got to be playoffs, guys. I mean, they paid Tyreek Hill. They brought in a new head coach, an offensive-minded head coach there. 
now the question is, can Tua stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? Can Bridgewater fill the gap when he does get hurt? Or if he misses a few games? I think it's playoffs in the next three years for Dolphins. I think it is Super Bowl for the Raiders. So you're going to spend 30-something million dollars a year on a player to go to the playoffs. It, well, the bar's got it, – it's got to be better than what you are now is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. The Raiders yeah. bar, they've already been to the playoffs, so they have to get farther. You know, now, got- we, we talk about teams that make the big splash like the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill. And then we think, oh, what Kansas City lost that weapon. Kansas City actually improved offensively, even with losing Tyreek Hill. They got Juju Schuster and they made a pickup over the weekend. Uh, Ronald Yeah, from Tampa Bay, one Green of the Bay. most underrated players in the NFL. Yeah. They're actually going to be a little better offensively. Is think about this is is that Miami might have the fastest two starting receivers in the NFL. Yeah, obviously with Hill and Waddle. I mean, how do you? And then they got we forgot they got Otis Wilson, who is he's unique with that he can do. He can he's similar. He's not Debo Sanders, but he can throw the ball. He can give yeah. you some trick plays. And there they got a they got now defensively. That's the question is going to be the question. But Miami's yeah, but made all, a all, all, all that's good, well and good, Jim. You still got to win on the field. And to me, if you're paying somebody thirty million dollars, not being a quarterback, being a wide receiver, I mean that's a lot of money. And that's a I lot agree. Of I, I mean, agree. But wow, I think this what they're doing is saying okay to him. You have no excuses. We got it's you. All on tour. Yeah. Jim, how many games does Tua have before Teddy Bridgewater becomes a major issue? How many so-so games can he afford? Because he's he's not exactly in you know solid number one, you know, in a permanent type way. I think they'll give him what do you think, Robert, about four or five games. And if they're struggling, then they're gonna yeah. pull him. But I, I don't think they're gonna struggle. I think they're gonna be okay. That's going to be a problem division than it was last year. Well, we'll see. We'll see about all that. I, I got my doubts, guys. I really do. But I, there's rumors. There's rumors that Belichick already has got a manhole, and he's got somebody in there watching him practice. And- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say two. Yeah. Two Spygate seconds. 2.0. <laughs> So, so so let's stay with football, Robert. I got a yeah. basketball question there. But let's stay yeah. with football. Um, the Browns, of course, we know what happened with with. I mean, it's all over the place. You know, I, I keep I keep showing uh, this photo to everybody. You know, Baker is you know he's been <laughs> and you know he's standing there with his grocery bags, wanting to get in, and they won't let him in. His wife, you know, his wife is uh, all mad at him and everything. So. Will Baker Mayfield, Jack asked this question, I think is relevant. Will Baker Mayfield ever be a starting quarterback in the NFL again? Woo, man. You know, Seattle's interest. Nobody wants to pay. They want to give him a prove-it-year contract, but nobody wants to pay that $18 million. Pittsburgh don't. Seattle don't. Seattle may still. They got Drew Locke. I mean, come on, it's Drew Locke. Carolina has shown interest, but they still got Darnold from the Jets, essentially the same guy. 
you know, oh, Baker Sam. Mayfield is just I, I, he was a miss. You know, he was a miss. I mean, no matter what people say, he, he he's just a miss at quarterback. Nobody wants to pay that eighteen million. It depends on who misses out in this draft coming up. That's going to do something. Uh, my guess is, guys, between us four, I think Cleveland's probably going to have to eat part of that contract in the deal in the trade. Maybe no, half they, of they've, it. Got plenty, they've got plenty of money to spend. I've seen so. What well, the they, hell got, they got Jacoby Brissett. They're not even having an attitude, Cleveland, to hold on to him in case Watson gets suspended. That Baker Mayfield knows the system. They already got Jacoby Brissett, so that means they're definitely moving on. They're just waiting for the yeah. best offer. You yeah. heard this first, Watson. I ain't not watching, but Mayfield's going to get released, and you know where he's going to go? Pittsburgh. He's yeah. going to go. To well, Pittsburgh. then he would go for a, a cheaper rate. Yeah. Yes, they may he just will. cut him, Jim. Yeah, he will. They're going to cut him. I think they're going to cut him. I think no, Cleveland okay. has. It's. Uh, it's they're in a bad. Everybody knows. I called Jim out on this. Wait a second. There's no room. They're supposed Mike Tomlin supposedly is looking seriously at Malik Willis. Okay. Let's say he drafts him. Now he has him. He has Trubisky. He has Mason Rudolph. He has Dwayne Haskins. And it's that Baker Mayfield. He's going to have like five quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Somebody's they, gone. It, it, he's so you're probably talking about after the draft, right? Yes, him in the after summer. The draft. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking right now. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I I don't. I don't know if I would want Baker Mayfield uh, on the Steelers I, just because I, he just doesn't fit the Steelers. I don't think. I just weird. It's well, a weird thing. Changed, they want to change their offense a little bit too. Now they want to yes. have a more mobile quarterback. Well, that's why they picked up Mitch Trubisky. So that's yeah. what that whole thing. I is just about. think he's going. And, we'll see. Why not? And we'll see. And and he, he's young enough that he could possibly go somewhere. And just like Trubisky did. Remember how we were talking about him in Chicago? Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden in Buffalo, he's the savior. He's not the savior, but he sat there a year. And look, he got a contract from the Steelers. So well, if any, any, anything else, Baker could be a, a great spokesperson for some some company anyway. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I, you know, Carlos, Carlos brings up a, a thing, which is a totally ridiculous statement, but um, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, but this leads it. It does segue into my next question. He's putting Bailey's in. His actually, he now. might be, but you have to give Zach Wilson a chance. Yes. Yes, you do. Out. You can't and move on from Zach Wilson. And yet. that's one of the topics. And believe it or not, Jack, that's one of the topics I brought up to to to, to uh, Robert this week. You know, all these second-year quarterbacks, right? Zach Wilson, uh, even Mac Jones, uh, Lawrence Fields, and 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 especially uh, Lance over there uh, with San Francisco. I mean, th th is this the year where we start really seeing they they got into the they got into the flow somewhat. They saw live action, whether they were on better teams or not. It's beside the point. Is this where we start seeing whether these quarterbacks are really going to be NFL ready? Well, uh, we old adage, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but players make that biggest jump, guys, from year one to year two. You're right. Management knows that. You coaches know that, Jim. You've coached. You're right. Trevor Lawrence was getting better towards the end of the season. Uh, middle of the season, Justin Fields was getting better. So uh, guys like Trey Lance, 
the pressure's really going to be on him, Mac Jones up in New England, and especially Zach Wilson, uh, even though he's really young. You've got guys like Carlos, uh, WFAN Radio. They're going to be all over Zach Wilson if he don't make that big jump this year. Uh, and and the, t- the competition's going to be tough. Yeah. Very true. All Think of the guys that slide backwards in the second year. Baker Mayfield had an excellent rookie year. He and he and you know he had one other decent year out of the four. RG three had a great rookie year. You know some of these guys just slide backwards too. Here's a question I had for you guys: Is is that when's the last time we've seen a successful quarterback at Cleveland? Think about that. What has been like 10 quarterbacks in the Derek, last? Derek Anderson was a Pro Bowl alternate, Jim, in 2007. Then we're wow. talking Bernie Kozar in 87. I know. I that's what I'm saying. I mean, I was, how many I was people's, how many players' careers as quarterbacks have been destroyed in Cleveland? Oh, and that's I, the question I, you have to ask. And I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, you you would have to go back to Otto Graham to say, you know, a great Cleveland quarterback. You would, um, different wow. styles and all that other stuff. But that's you would have to go back to the fifties to really think about a quarterback that really was. But successful. that's my point. Is it is it the organization or is it make? And it might be. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield, but is it the organization because they've had struggle. With quarterbacks. You know, Jim asked a great question that's thought-provoking. If we had to sit down and say, since the Super Bowl started, list the greatest Cleveland Brown quarterbacks in order, and Baker Mayfield might actually be high on the list. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. right. Very, oh, that's true. Very possible. That's true. Yes, it is. And that just goes to show that sometimes the question <laughs> – Depends on what the uh, the evidence shows, right? On, on that's why I want judgment. Watson to do well there. I feel sorry for him. No, I don't feel sorry for Watson. $240 million. I, I think he's he's doing well, just Brian fine. Brian Snipe was pretty good. Brian Snipe was pretty good. He was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, Robert, uh, let's before we go back to uh, I, I don't want to jump on the Jets and Giants till the end because I don't want to get Jack all excited at, till the end of the uh, segment here. <laughs> So let's let's talk a little bit about Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. They don't need their MVP. Ooh. He can sit down for a few weeks, relax, go on vacation. They just keep on winning. Is this the team? We've been talking about the Suns all year and a little bit about the Warriors. Right now, the Grizzlies to me are the best team in the East. Is, is that the is that the representative? I mean, in the West, is that the representative West, yeah. from the? West? Uh, you know, they split with Phoenix in the regular season. They play Phoenix again, and then I think like 10 days. We're getting pretty close to the playoffs. I can't wait, actually. I'm getting pretty excited about the playoffs. They have a lot of role players on their team. They got this guy, Desmond Bain. He's got more threes in a season. He set the franchise record beating Mike Miller with over 203 threes in a season. You got guys like Dylan Brooks. Steven Adams, really good defender, rim protector. Steven Adams is the only guy I've ever heard of on this team prior to like two years ago, guys, other than Ja Morant, who I thought was going to be a better pick than Zion Williamson. Uh, I think they're a team that's probably going to go a couple rounds. I don't think they're better than Phoenix right now, but I think they have a lot of team chemistry, and, and it kind of reminds me of a poor man's Milwaukee where you've got one star there. 
and you've got a lot of role players, uh, possibly, you know, borderline all-stars, Chris Middleton, guys like that. Uh, I'm missing one player from, from Milwaukee. His name, their point guard is he, I'm Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Thank you, Jack. I don't even think they're that good yet. But I do think that they're going to be a nice postseason surprise. I mean, they got the two seed pretty much locked up. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. They're guaranteed it. But the thing about Memphis is if you watched, uh, they had a little uh, access, inside access to them before the game. These kids are having fun. They got belts. They take foul shots. I mean, uh, did you see that free throw shots and everything? Uh-uh. But no. It was pretty interesting. The coach lets them have fun. These kids are just, they're just playing. They're having fun. Scuffle during the timeout with Jimmy Butler, Hazlitt, Eric Spolstra, the coach. You think what fired them up? They've been awful since then. I watched some of the net game yesterday. I would channel scan when there was a break from the NCAA. And you couldn't believe it. They were down at one point like 47 points to the Nets or something like that. They were pathetic, the Heat. And they were the best team in the East for a while. And they just falling apart. It's, I can't explain it. It's no interest. It seems like they're the locker room. Something is going on in the well, locker room. Well, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's had problems everywhere he's went. He's a really, really edgy, competitive. Exactly. Every game is game seven. You know, he's, he was homeless at one time. I know. A good friend of he mine is a huge NBA guy. And he said Jimmy Butler was – and he was perfect for Thibodeau, uh, a really driven coach that pushes his guys to the limit. And I don't think he has an off switch up down there in Miami. And I, I guess agree. it rubs some guys the wrong way, you know? Yeah, you know, I would agree. You know, Robert, you made an interesting analogy about the Grizzlies saying they're a poor man Milwaukee Bucks team. I made the same analogy about the Cincinnati Bengals being a poor man Chiefs uh, team, and and they ended up in the Super Bowl. So that's pretty. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Robert, one last thing, just so we can give yeah. Jack some Jets news here, uh, because he doesn't get enough. Um, of course, the Giants Jets have the two first round picks. One of three teams have multiple. Uh, first round picks. I'm not sure that's what it was. I don't know with all these trades and, and signings, it might have changed a little bit. But I think the Giants and the Jets will be picking differently. I'm not sure. I just have that feeling. What do you see for the Giants and the Jets in their first? Uh, their first uh, let's see. You know, as far as the Giants are concerned, the mock drafts I'm looking at, a lot of these guys. Your NFL.com, they're all saying that the Giants are going to go after a tackle, whether it be Neil from Alabama or it be this cross guy from Mississippi State. One of those guys, uh, the one that's got the difficult name to pronounce for NC State, those guys keep coming up for the Giants. So apparently the Giants cannot get it right at left tackle, uh, running back, uh, you know, one mock draft because you guys got two first round picks in the Giants. Uh, this Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati, guys, he may be the best defensive player in this draft. His, his nickname is like Sauce, uh, cornerback, University of Cincinnati. Everybody's saying Daryl Stingley, uh, Stingley from uh, uh, LSU, but he's had injury problems. 
this cornerback from Cincinnati is really good. I mean, he is a lockdown. I like him a lot. As far as the Jets are concerned, 25th in sacks, guys. 25th. K1 Thibodeau from Oregon. Everybody likes him. Hutchison, every mock draft I look at from uh, is saying Hutchinson's going to uh, 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 Jacksonville, number one, or possibly number two at Detroit. So uh, the Jets, they're all, they, uh, some of them like uh, this Drake London from USC, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all both shook their head on that. Everybody likes wide receivers early. <laughs> Corey Davis can't stay healthy, guys. He played in Tennessee. He uh, He's always had a hamstring injury. I'm glad you took him off our hands, Jack. No offense. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, you know what it is with the Jets? It's unpredictable. What is the relationship between the coach and the GM behind the scenes? I think that determines a lot because we keep hearing in the media, well, Zach Wilson needs help. Get him a, a you know a wide receiver, get him an offensive lineman. But Robert Salah's defensive specialist coming over from the 49ers. So that's what he might want. He might want to put emphasis on defense, like you said, the pass rush. So I think it comes down to the relationship between the coach and the GM, whether they're on the same page or whether the GM just makes the picks and the coach has to live with it. You look at your board, you take the best available player. Regardless yeah. of yes, I don't believe in need. I believe in the best player, unless, of course, it's a position like quarterback. If you have your franchise quarterback, you're not going to draft another one so high. But outside of that, you never have too many good players in a position. Right. No. Don't reach for a need. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as these defensive coaches, guys, these guys, the memo's been out there. You have to take that position, quarterback, Seriously, I don't care if you're a defensive minor head coach, if you're offensive minor, the best quarterback in each division last year, preseason, won each division last year. The best quarterback preseason. You go from NFC East, Dak Prescott, and you go from AFC East, Josh Allen, and you go from the the East to the West in both conferences, the best quarterback won the division. That's true. Got to take it seriously. Yeah, I don't know. I use the Bill Parcells approach. I just get, you know, this guy named Tony Romo who just walked on and said, hey, just go ahead and play quarterback and don't try to become a star. And there you go. We're off and running. Robert, thanks for coming on. Love having you on every week as we uh, discuss yeah. the biggest, biggest stories in sports. Sports Scope, everybody. Check it out all over social media and look for Robert driving to a place near you if you have a big sports highlight as he tracks all the breaking news. Thanks again, Robert, for coming on. Yes, that and tornadoes and the van that yeah. don't exist, but you know, <laughs> I, I roll with it. Well, I, I figured I figured a van was better than when I started off with a tractor. I kind of hey, stick with the van. That that gets all me right. excited. You know, I like. All right, cool. all right, Robert. You take okay. anything. <laughs> oh man! So there you go, folks. I love having Robert. We're gonna take our first break for today, and on the other side, as we do on every Friday and Sunday. One of our favorite, insightful, crazy, uh, out of control, uh, calm guys all at once. The Philly sports guy, Jamie Paggs, will be up with us. So we'll take our first break, and he'll be on right after this, folks. So stay tuned. Oh, shoot. Oh. 
I'll be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. Now how do you handle a hungry man? Vegetable beef gets a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The man handlers. If you serve honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, Ambets. Each year, Ambets members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. Ambets posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the Ambets by joining today at Ambets.org. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me why, I'll say. But Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. But Budweiser beer, the king is second to none. Just say Budweiser. You said it all. Here comes the king of beer, so let your glasses hear the call. But why the beer's the one that's leading the rest? When you say fun, and each foot makes it feel at its best. When you say fun, one taste will tell you so loud and clear. There's only one Budweiser beer. When you say fun, you've said it all. Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got called drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying the man's going to be the perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. 
For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This week's sports special on Sunday, as we're here every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with Jack Hirsch and Jim Jeffcoat, as we're going over uh, a lot of the sports. And uh, Carlos, uh, a typical New York fan, says that Danny Dimes has to be cut ASAP, and Zach Wilson is a lost hope. And forget that, my Jets signed the Cowboy Kicker Zerline. Well, you mm-hmm. guys are going to, right. you're going to Super Bowl now. You guys are going to Super Bowl with him, man. <laughs> you sure are. So, he's going to go wide left. Yes, he will. He'll do a trick play against the uh, uh, Miami yep. Dolphins, and and uh, back to receive the uh, field goal will be because it'll be such a long field goal. Will be Tyree Kill, and he'll throw a pass, and Tyree Kill will miss the tackle and will knock Miami out of the playoffs. That's my prediction. Let's bring up the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags, and talk to him. Hey. Uh, Pags, morning. That's a, that was some great insight about Zerline. Yes. Uh, how that yes. yeah, how the Jets were going to knock Miami out? <laughs> yes, yes. I, you know, people people don't realize that I have all these sources and 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 things that you know I go off of when I make my analogies. I want to kind of congratulate Pax because I was talking to my buddy Joe Santaliquido yesterday, who was on the show debating Pax at the start of last season how the Eagles were going to do. I said, Joe, Pax really kicked your rear end, you know, and that debate is the way it came out. You said the Eagles would win no more the few games they made the playoffs. And Pax, it gave you a do. He admitted you kicked his butt. You yes. know, and you know what? Every once in a while, he'll give you that recognition. He'll debate you again, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm yes. sure. So I'm sure. You know, we're not on the same side of things a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. So Pax putting the voice of Philly to shame in his prediction uh, the Philly Voice, a very, very popular paper in Philadelphia. But we know we have the guy that has the insight on Philadelphia sports, uh, Jamie Pags. So, Pags, let let me talk to you a little bit about the free agency craziness of this year, right? And, you know, a lot of teams have made a lot of major big headline moves, except a few. In my area, of course, I talk to a lot of giant Jets Philadelphia Eagles, and even Dallas Cowboys, sad to say, fans up here in the Northeast that follow these teams. And really, those four teams, you even could throw Washington into there, right? They really didn't make major moves. I don't consider Wentz a major move. I think that was just a a, a taker that was almost from a throwaway, and that's why I say that, Bags. I think that, you know, that I don't think he's really going to help Washington that much, and the Colts wanted to unload him. There's no doubt about that, and they did. And Washington picked them up, or they were going to cut them. That's what the, the word was. So a lot of these fans are very upset that their teams, the Patriots, the Eagles, the local teams, and the Cowboys—I well, don't know how they're local up here—but 
they didn't really make moves to improve themselves like these other teams and they're kind of dismayed. And, and, you know, do you think that you have to make these major moves to build a, a contender? I don't think so. What do you think, Bax? No, I don't think so. I, I think that the Eagles have been, uh, over the years, they have been brought into those traps of sorts uh, where the big-name free agency signs, they get a lot of money, and then ultimately they don't perform. Uh, you know, everybody is slating the AFC West right now to be able to be this powerhouse of a division in comparison to everybody else. And I feel like that they've made the most amount of splashes. Well, the Eagles have 12, I think, draft picks all day uh, for on the for drafts. And not that they're going all 12 are going to be able to start or even even make the team. But I feel like that their core is strong. They made uh, they made one two signings. Obviously, that makes sense for them. Uh, they did bring in a linebacker, uh, White, uh, yesterday. Uh, they did bring add some defensive end depth to this team. Uh, I feel that their offense. Uh, they brought in a wide receiver. That's you know I don't think it's a big splash for us, but it, the coach really likes to work with them, and they are doing very methodical moves to strengthen or give a little bit of depth to certain positions. And I feel like the draft will do the rest of it. So do you need to spend all this money? I think that right now they're resetting their cap because ultimately the Rams are going to be in trouble next year. You know, I know that they're putting everything in for this year and then next year they're like 180 million over the cap already. You know, and ultimately that catches up with you, that you have to have reset seasons where you're just fixing your cap, getting yourself together, putting a good product on the field and then moving forward. Now, obviously, they pay a lot of money to certain people to make sure that that happens. And Howie Roseman is is one of the kings uh, and kind of taught the rest of the NFL on how to do this. That being said, you still have to do those resets. And ultimately, you're going to see some of these teams that have spent – the Giants are about to do a major one because they've got way too much money in way bad spots, and they're going to have to unload most of it to be able to get themselves back on track. Oh, they did. They have, they've unloaded a lot of players, uh, Pags. Uh, Dallas really hasn't made major signings. They've gotten rid of players. The Jets have been resetting for the last 20 years. So, I mean, you, you know, the fans want to see, so, I mean, especially today, right? San Francisco is not a big free agent signing. They have a very competitive team. The Tennessee Titans, uh, you know, they, they, they do make a couple signings here and there. But they're pretty much, they play close to the best. Kansas City has come back and made some signings after they lost Tyreek Hill, maybe out of, out of fear or whatever, I don't know. But... The fans want to see, and, and the Dallas fans, the Jet fans, the Giant fans, the Patriot fans, Eagle fans, they want to see something because going all around them is craziness. And they just but, feel, hey, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. No, I was going to say a lot of this, and Pax, we agree on this. A lot of this is fool's gold. Let's be honest. Unless you're one that one player away from the Super Bowl. Thank you. Then you're going to pay a guy $30 million a year? And he's uh, and just like we were talking earlier about Miami, we're thinking, make well, they'll make the playoffs. Does that player make that much of a difference to take up that much of your salary cap? 
because you only have so much money to spend. And that's the thing. Why not build the team that has longevity in it? Because we only have a window of so many years. And that's why, you know, Philadelphia has a window now because they're youth. Dallas is going to the end of their window because now they're getting older players. And just like uh, Pag said, at some point they're going to have to reset. And these teams have to reset. Rams look great now, but in a couple of years, we're going to talk about how terrible they are because they're going to have to reset because of the salary cap. But they had they would have won a Super Bowl, Jim. No one could ever take that away from That's them. True. So they were successful with their that formula no matter what. But isn't there such a thing as energizing your fan base? You make a major signing like Tyreek Hill. Everyone in Miami's excited. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off here. No. I saw something very unique uh, on Twitter. It was a picture of this, like, bazooka bullet going into a little twenty-two gun. And I feel like that that's what Tyreek Hill is. He ain't got nobody to throw the ball yet. You know, I mean, I, I'm not a big Tua fan, you know what I mean? And I feel like that that's kind of what they did. They went and got something really crazy, you know, in, in a position that really wasn't of need for them. They had a couple of good receivers. They still do. I mean, Waddle, Waddle was one of the best last year. And now all of a sudden you got Tyreek Hill, so you got a lot of speed, but you still ain't got the quarterback. And you got all that money now invested in a wide receiver. You gave up – I don't. I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I'd heard five draft picks, but I didn't see the trade, you know, in, in its entirety, so I don't know 100% what it's all about. But they invested all of that future for what? For a guy who can catch the ball a couple times, he's not going to be the end-all, be-all – He's not your franchise. I don't know. You know, I do agree to your point. And to Jack's point, the Rams went to the Super Bowl because of those moves. The Rams went to the Super Bowl without those moves, too. We seem to forget that they did go to the Super Bowl and came close to beating the the, uh, New England Patriots without Stafford, without all these major players. So, I mean, they had a core to work with. They replaced the quarterback with an older, experienced quarterback, and they replaced the receivers they had. But listen, there's a receiver that plays for the Rams after OBJ and after they pick up Robinson. That's one of the best receivers in the league, and he ain't making thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, so, I mean, well, no, no, we, it happens in other positions, Matt. Look at Buffalo with the Von Miller signing; they gave him big money. And they're doing it to win a Super Bowl. If yeah. the Buffalo wins a Super Bowl, but they're close to it, Jack. Right, they are. The Rams look close to it too. On Miami, you could argue maybe isn't that far away. Maybe I, I disagree eight. with that. And, and Tua I had like a cannon of an arm in college. You might be right about Tua. He might blame out. See, I, or he might regain his form that he had in college. I I disagree a little bit you on that, Pax. And here's the reason why. Tua was at Alabama, and we know the talent. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. When he has talent around him, he is going to be a, a good quarterback. He won't be a great quarterback, but he can manage it. He's the manager of the game. And I think he's, with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill there, you just throw the ball as far as you can and let them go get it. I'm just I saying. There, and I, I think that he'll be better with those two on his team. I mean, team. well, it can't be worse. 
Well, but, you know, I mean, to go back to go back a little bit to what to what you're saying about uh, Von Miller. So at, at some point, I feel like teams that are close but can't get over the hump need guys in their locker room who do know how to get over the hump, who exactly. have been there. Exactly. And that's, that's where you need some of that veteran leadership. And I feel like that that's more valuable than than any other thing. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter the position he plays. He's been there. He's got the chip. He's got the rings to prove it. And now this is what you need to do to get there. And there's been there's been examples of this throughout history with Charles no Haley and and you know yeah. and with with Matt Millen. I mean, there's been there's been examples, and it does. And you're right, Pax. It doesn't matter what position. It's just that veteran winning leadership exactly. that some team needs. Yeah. So, Quick question. So the, Who's going to be in what? charge of the huddle, guys? Tyreek Hill at Tua. If Tyreek Hill is in charge of the huddle, the Dolphins are going to have problems. Good I question. Mean, if Tua is in charge, they're on the right path. Good question. And you know it something else. question. Tua is still going to be the – because he calls the plays. He's still going to be in charge of the huddle. He's just uh, – and he's been around – Stars, Devontae Smith, all those great jobs. Is he going to be intimidated by Tyreek yeah, He's not going to be intimidated, Jack. He's no, not. but you what know, I do think is that it, you could wind up with like a DK Metcalf situation where Tyreek Hill has got a little bit more say in the media and is able to go ahead and start. If, they, if things aren't gelling really well in game time situations, I feel like egos will start to prevail and I feel like wide receivers awesome. of any other position, awesome. of any other position in football, are the divas. And they look at No question. The real good and ones you know are. Something, you know something, Jim, as far as, as far as Tua goes, Tua could do that till he got injured. He got a serious injury. And if you watch him play like I do, he gets rid of the ball down to the check down faster than any other quarterback I see in the NFL because he doesn't want to hang in there for that last second till a guy clears. That's my concern about two. It always has been. That injury is in his mind, and it was a very serious injury. And if and if he gets hurt, hit that hard again, it might be the end of his career. And when I watch him play, he'll go to that second down check short pass right away. He doesn't wait that – he doesn't take that last lead or he doesn't take that last second where he's going to get hit. And that's the only th worries I got about Tua right now. He's mm -hmm. a very quick yeah, – I can respect that, but he has to take command of the huddle. And I think if he doesn't take command, they got problems. I he is going to have to take command of the huddle. Because Tyreek Hill has there. such a big personality, that's where the problem might lie. He okay. had the big personality in Kansas City. DK Metcalf has a big personality, and reportedly Russell Wilson kind of gave in to him a bit more than he wanted to. So, and then, and then we're talking about Russell, I like Russell Wilson isn't in Seattle anymore because of That's DK right. Metcalf. Well, you know, don't be so shocked if my Jets pull off a blockbuster, the fourth overall pick for DK Metcalf. What is he going to do to Zach Wilson? Because this is yeah. really important about what you just said and what Pags and all you guys are saying, in a locker room is the reason the Cowboys got Charles Haley. But Charles Haley was an interesting guy. And we know about all his issues. But the guy practiced hard. He played hard. And he didn't care who got the credit. He just wanted to win. And that's how Charles was. 
and he was a he was an extreme competitor. You need those guys. They don't. Michael Irvin, for all the things we right. have asked about, the good things about him was is that he, no matter what he was doing the night before, he was going to be there early in the morning, and he was going to stay late to get as do as what he had to do to help us win. Okay, you weren't in the huddle exactly, but you were close with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. There oh, Troy would tell Michael him to shut Irvin up. wants the ball. Troy Aikman would be strong enough to take charge of that yes. huddle. But there would have been other quarterbacks who would have given in. Okay. There would have been. There would have been. And that's no question. But Michael, hey, Troy told Michael more than once, shut up. I don't want to hear it. And you see the good quarterbacks always know that. They always they talk about they, they always talk about with the Eagles. Uh, when McNabb and, and, and of course, you know, in the Super Bowl with T.O., that that was one of the problems that the Eagles had. I mean, they, they had a good enough team to win that Super Bowl. They were close. But that T.O. friction with McNabb might have cost them that Super Bowl. Uh, it, 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 and it, it's possible. T.O., very strong personality. McNabb kind of laid back. But I think he was fiery on the field. So I, I think that that hurt the Eagles more than we know uh, during that Super Bowl. Run. And he did it. T.O. did it in um... – San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. He did in San Francisco. So but he Jackson, loved the quarterback in um, the Cowboys. He cried about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Tony Romo's my quarterback. Pags, Villanova. Villanova moves on. That is the the, the worst-looking team I've ever seen in a Elite Eight. That, that team puts up 50 points, holds the other team to 12, and that's how they win. I'm just giving you a hard time. Go ahead. You know what? I, I fully expected Houston to win that game. I thought that the one thing that Villanova uh, was going to have trouble against was defense. Yeah. And uh, literally, he beat them with their own style. Yeah. So, I mean, to be able to say that, I mean, Jay Wright really does have – uh, his, you know, his pulse to the, you know, you know, his finger on the pulse of the NCAA teams. He is able to match what the other team does and use those weaknesses against them. Uh, and I, I, that you saw that last night, you know, that they didn't need to score 70, 80 points. That, and I knew it wasn't. When I saw them keeping it under 50, I'm like, that's got the, that's got Villanova waiting all over it. If they can't get over 50 points, if Houston can't score points, they're not going to win. And that's really what it came down to because I knew I knew Villanova wasn't going to score points. Yeah. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter. A win is a win. I don't care how you do it. You move on, and, and hopefully they can continue playing uh, good physical defense and hold them back. College basketball is – called so differently than the pros they even call double drill dribbles and and all the traveling they don't call that in the nba i you know i, I watch these college players no wonder why they want to get the hell out of the the, the ncaa and go up and play in, uh, in in nba because they can't do anything in that in the college basketball i mean they're all over everything it's just crazy um so let's talk about the 76ers you guys won three in a row you're only a half game behind miami for the First seed Miami is spiraling downward as Butler and his and, and Miami his win last night. No, no, no they, they lost. Game. Remember, that's when. Oh, um, well, then uh, we should be half game what, up on Miami. Then well, yes. Miami was the, the, the number one seed at the moment. Yes, by percentages. 
Um, Max, but anyway. Miami was down close to 50 points at one point. I'm yes, not yes. That's how bad it was. Yes, the Nets put it well, out. I've seen a couple of games where the Sixers have been down that bad. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll reminisce about that later. Pax, what do you think you're, you're, you're James Harden, MB have double doubles. Um, of course, they're leading the way. We talked about Tyree, Tyrese Maxey this week, uh, how he really is developing into that third option, how he, can, how he can make the big shots at the big times. He doesn't have to score 30 points, but he makes them when they need him, when when they need to get back in the game and, and to, to come ahead in the game. Maxey, without Embiid, without Harden, uh, took control of the game. Got a very exciting young player there. If you can get Harris involved a little bit more, uh, and and you got Embiid and you got Harden doing their thing. You're going to be hard to beat. You're going to be hard to beat this year. Yeah, it's going to come back down to defense. Obviously, defense wins championships, and I think that transcends through all sports. So uh, ultimately, it's uh, I keep saying that Matisse Thibault, who is really the fifth unsung player on that team, is going to is it's going to shoulder a lot on him because he's going to be faced with having to guard the best player. This is what Ben Simmons did really well. Now, obviously, uh, when it came to scoring, you needed to keep it away from him because he wasn't really a good option. The problem was he was always open. So that's where they would keep feeding him the ball, and he'd keep feeding it back. Uh, Matisse doesn't have that issue. He's a little bit uh, – he doesn't have the ability to get open and uh, is as big a presence as Simmons is. But he's going to need to play as good a defense as Simmons did. Uh, and that's going to be a big thing. We got a big test against the Suns coming up in the next game, and that's going to really to be a telltale on how we're going to be able to move. Now, if we get crushed in this game, does that mean that we're not going to make it to the finals? Well, no. I think we still got to get past everybody to do that right anyway in the first place. But the Suns are—I feel like playing against them and seeing how we could defend against them. Because that's the one thing that I want to see here moving forward. I want to see the practice of the defense. I don't care how many points you score. I don't care if we get the number one or the number two seed, even though it's going to make a little bit of a difference in who we have to play and when. But my expectation is, is that the defense has got to get better or else we're only going to get to where we got before. Pags, the uh, Suns will have Chris Paul back if you do meet them in the playoffs. So if you can't beat them without Chris Paul, you know, it's going to be extra hard to beat them with Chris Paul. You know, I, you would Chris expect Paul you would expect if we didn't have uh, Embiid and Harden that we weren't going to be able to beat some of the best teams in the league. And here it is. We beat, you know, the Heat. And this was before anybody thought that there was a problem. It was during that game that they started bickering and fighting with each other. So, and that was because things weren't going the way it was supposed to. And now, now they're starting to trail off. Now it's national news that the Heat are starting to implode. And I feel like that that started because they couldn't have, didn't have answers to, you know, a, a Sixers team without their two best players. So it's it, it's always going to change. I agree, Bags. You look at you look at the Grizzlies like right right now, and I'm I'm in awe of these young kids uh, without their their MVP. Uh, their MVP candidate, just winning, just beating teams, beating good teams. Uh, I, I mean, you don't need your superstar there all the time to win. It's important, of course. Uh, I don't know if I could say that about the Nets without Durant. I don't know if the Nets could win without Durant. I think he's that important to the Nets. Um, 
But I, I'm telling you, there are teams out there that are just solid, and those and those superstars are there in the clutch in the last whatever. But they can win that without them. If they got a good team, they can win without your superstars. It's been proven. And, and I agree. And I feel like that what a superstar does is the superstar in a close battle game can take over the game and change the dynamic in that regard where they all of a sudden get, you know, there he's on fire as that, that old video game used to say where he just couldn't miss a shot. And for small minutes of time, just take over the game and score like eight, 12 points in like a four to six minute window and change the momentum of an entire team. That's what I feel like some of these superstars are able to do. And that's what Chris Paul can do. You know, so I understand what you're talking about with that. But again, defense solves those problems. You know, you got to be able to have, you got to be able to stop them. You have to be able to get the stops. And that's what's going to make the biggest difference. It's not how many points you score. It's how many times you can stop the other team from scoring. And that's what it's like in the NBA right now because every team can score 100 points. And I feel that that's what Toronto has us under lock and key because they play great defense. They only keep us to 80-some points. And when you're in a shootout under 90 points, most of the time if you're a team that scores 120 points a game, if you're at 90 points, you're going to lose. Because yeah, yeah. you're not prepared for that type of dogfight, and yeah, that's what yeah. that's what happens in the NBA. Well, that's interesting you say that because obviously being in Texas, uh, the Mavericks with Jason Kidd, and that's what he always says is defense. He uh, he's not worried about a guy scoring, and he has a guy who can do that, Luca. But he's talking about he's got to play defense. And Dwight Prowl and Spencer Didwitty, Didwitty's help him, and your guy Jalen Bronson. I mean, he's been un- amazing. When he's healthy, he might shoot. He he can play some defense, and he can play at a at any position. I mean, and the, it's amazing. What was he a free agent? He came in the league as a free agent and to do what he's done. But you're right, defense is important. And that's and that's the big deal. And that's what really is the big deal. Of course, like I said, defense wins championships, and that transcends through all sports. If you Stop the other team from scoring. It's likely that you're going to win. No question. And that happens. It happens across the board. No and it happens question. even with the NFL this year. That whole thing with Von Miller, I know it was getting them over the hump, but it stopped them from scoring. You know what I mean? That's what it was. They stopped the other team from scoring. The defense stood up because it didn't matter about OBJ. I mean, you had Cooper Cup. He was the only guy on the field who could score, who could catch the ball. Everybody, you know, yeah, they could run the ball a little bit. They could throw it to Cooper Cup, and that was it. That was their yeah. offense. And then you just had to make sure to stop him. Had they stopped him, they'd have won. Because Cincinnati would have won. Just a quick question. If the Sixers get eliminated from the playoffs early, first to second round, is Doc Rivers' job in jeopardy? Because the Sixer fan base is probably going to look for someone to blame. They're not going to blame Embiid. It's too early to blame Harden. Someone's got to be the fall person, and Doc Rivers would, to me, looks like he would stand out as being the one. Absolutely. I mean, they still have big issues with him in Philadelphia. At least the fan base does. I can't, and I can't speak for how the Harris group views him, but uh, obviously, it's you know when you when you're up three to one and you lose, 
And uh, he's really big at giving those games away. Like we feel like that there's still losses that are on his shoulders because he mismanages the team sometimes. Uh, I mean, and then, and then to talk to us, like, we don't know basketball, you know, like that's what he did last year. He's like, well, you guys don't know. Why would I want to pull out Ben Simmons at the end of a game? Because yeah, I'd rather have him out there. And then he realized, he had to pull him out of the game because, you know, he saw exactly what we saw, that he was actually a liability, that when you when you go hack a Ben and you're not getting any points from it, then you got to be sure to pull him out there because obviously he's going to wind up causing more liability than good. And it don't matter the defense. When he gets the ball, they foul him and he misses two foul shots and they go back down and they just do it again. So it's ultimately those are the things that you have to learn. And he doesn't do those types of things. And that's why he's only won one championship. And I feel like that that team won it in spite of him, not because of him. Mm-hmm. Now, again, oh. I'm not a coach. I'm not that. But well, the Celtics. But they, yeah. Yeah, the next question to you was, Boston is a scary team. Because they do. They have frontline talent, but they don't have a lot of backup. But they do have frontline talent with Tatum Brown and you know Smart, but they obviously don't have the the depth to uh, make so a the last start. game they played against the Sixers. They shot close to seventy percent from the field. They shot over fifty percent from three. They beat the Sixers by thirty nine points or forty nine points. It was something absolutely ridiculous. And obviously the Sixers didn't play any of their starters yeah, in the fourth yeah. quarter. It was so far out of stretch at that point. Um, but they just couldn't miss. Uh, they did that one other game where I think they shot 65% from the field. Right now they're playing some good ball. Is it sustainable? That was what I asked the other day. Uh, it seems to me like I feel like they might be peaking a little early, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right again, you know, as – out of all the sports, basketball is the one sport that I don't understand the psyche of the player as much. So yeah. is it possible that they could sustain that through a, a big playoff run? Uh, I guess everybody from Boston hopes so. Uh, but my thought is, is that they're, they're a little early and that it may get them a series or two. But I think, again, good defense is going to stop them in their track. Yeah. And yeah. once they start to get to their bench – they're not going to have the answer. No, they don't have any depth. That's what's going to get them in the end. Listen, listen, so, that's, and that's, I feel like that's, that's a little bit about what's happening with the Sixers. The yeah, Sixers I mean, listen. Don't have that type of depth. Listen, the Celtics are playing lights out. Great for great for oh, the yeah. and and great for the East because when the Celtics are relevant, it makes the East more relevant. That's just no the question. historic, you know, basketball franchise in the East anyway. Pags, we're going to let you go. Of course, I'll be talking to you about all that stuff off here is I'll finally be getting a couple of days off where I can actually spend some time and talk with you instead of just quick texting you here and there. So Pax, there's a lot of stuff going on, folks. We're going to update you in posts and stuff like that when he's on again. A lot of stuff happening coming up on Northeast Streaming Sports and with the Philly Sports Guy. So Pags, have a great, great Sunday. Rest a little bit because I know you're running around like a nut all the time. Oh, man. Try to get yourself some rest yes. of your kid anyway, my friend. All right. I, I, I'm trying. It, it's hard, but, you know, can't let any grass grow underneath my feet. That's the truth. <laughs> right. That's the truth. Especially when All you're right. at the hockey rink uh, bag. So have a great day, and we'll talk to you later, my friend.
All right. Have a great week. All right. Have a good day, Pax. Uh, one of my favorite guys on and off air, uh, Jamie Pags, the Philly sports guy. Folks, we're going to take a real quick break so I can get up and stretch my legs for a little bit and uh, maybe a couple minutes, and we'll be right back after these messages. Extra care service, that's McDonald's. A total value that's unmatched anywhere. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211 InfoLine. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. <laughs> Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This week in sports specials, we go through the biggest story in sports of the week, have on our great guests, and have a little fun here as we uh, as we talk about the this week in sports. And this segment is really just me, Jack, and Jim talking as we go over some of our thoughts and, and things of the upcoming uh, sports and what we saw and, and, and what our thoughts on it. And guys, I, I want to I start off. Uh, with the beginning of Major League Baseball, right? When I was a kid, um, of course, baseball was huge. There was no yes. sport. It was bigger than the NFL. It was bigger than the NBA. It was just something we all look forward to. I remember getting up in, the, in, in, in early April, late March, with my dad throwing the ball back and forth, getting ready to play baseball, even though NFL was one of my favorite sports. We all paid attention to Major League Baseball. and. The, the I want to say the perception of baseball has changed so much in the last 20 years. Uh, we, we talk more about the labor relations than we do about the game. Uh, kids have lost interest in the game itself because of this, I think, because a lot of do with baseball, the promotion of it itself. And, you know, a lot of people go to the minor league games to get that old baseball field to meet, talk to players and get their autograph signed without a hassle, without making an appointment or getting through security. And they have fun at these games. And I want to, I want to get both of your perspectives. I know you're both at least as old as I am, maybe older. When you were a kid, I mean, baseball was it, right? I mean, no, I mean, you know, boxing had its place, but as far as a team sport, it was all about baseball. We couldn't wait for the season to start. And a lot of reasons have changed. And, and Jack, you're probably the oldest of us three, and I know you love baseball. You love your Yankees. You love talking about the history of baseball. And is there any way that baseball can make a major surge? We talked about maybe, since they're including playoffs, maybe just having two, divi- two, two conferences, forgetting the divisions, have the playoffs, let the best eight teams play and have at it and have the, have the World Series sort of like the NBA, maybe make it more national where we start worrying about the Atlanta teams and the different teams in our, in our conference. Do you think that's an answer? Or you think it's too far gone? I think it might be too far gone. Society changes, society evolves. Young people are more into basketball. I mean, they're a little more into the NFL. I mean, baseball has enormous popularity in the sense that it's family entertainment. It's very relaxing. You go to a ball game. But let's compare it to the other sports like football, basketball, hockey. You know, you see an NFL game, it's very intense. You want your team to win. It's not 
as leisurely as a baseball game if you go to an NFL game. You get upset a little easier. You know, you go to a baseball game, if your team's down 5 nothing after four innings, you're still having a good time at the ballpark, you know, because there's always tomorrow. It's just one out of 162 games in the regular season. But you go to an NFL game, and if your team is down 31 nothing at the half, you're not too happy, okay? You're kind of grumbling a little bit. And the NBA is very fast-paced. And, you know, it's more of a young people person's game i mean it's not baseball's not the game it was in our youth i mean little league isn't even as popular i think as it was when we were young and it's just a question of society evolving it could come back it could be made fun again you know if it's marketed right and if it's sold to young people the right way and uh even boxing matches boxing's not the sport it was in my youth, when it would be the fights. Now, you know, I was out in Vegas for the Crawford, Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter fight, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm walking out of the arena with a friend of mine, and I sat in the crowd for that fight, not in the press section, because my buddy wanted to sit with me, so he got me a ticket. And as we're leaving the arena, us two old-timers, I'm looking at all the young people with their dates. That's what boxing's become, like a young person's game, you know, even amongst, you know, the spectators. I just think society evolves, and I think we have to wait it to keep re-evolving, you know. Jim, you know, I brought up the, the idea, since they're going to have more playoff teams, and they're going to be more and more as they go, because people want to see teams in playoffs, right? That's the excitement. And if they're going to start adding teams and the regular season gets diminished, then why have 162 games, right? Why not cut it back to 154 like the old days, maybe even 140 games, 135 games, and just do what the NBA does? Because no matter where your team is playing in the NBA, if you if you like the Knicks, for example, if you're a poor soul that likes the Knicks and they're in it, you're going to pay attention to what the team you know, from Miami is doing and if they're in the playoffs, right, if they got a good team. And yes. I think the same thing would happen in baseball. Right now, we don't care because of the conferences, the divisions, and the and the leagues. We don't care what the Braves are doing. But suppose the Braves are in the East with the Mets and the Phillies and the Pirates and, and all the teams that are on the East Coast to the imaginary line. And then we start paying attention to the Braves. And the Braves mm -hmm. start paying attention to the Yankees. Do you think that could kick the national – promotion of, of baseball? See, I think, and this is just my opinion on it, and I love baseball. I'm like you guys. We grew up in the era that we love opening day. That was a big day, opening day yeah. and everything. But I think the advent of television has hurt baseball more than anything. And why do you say that? It's because kids today don't have the attention span to watch baseball games. They think it's too long. They think it's boring, just like Jack said. But they don't understand the strategy of it, of baseball, and why it's like that. And that's the thing, because Jack said it uh, purposely here in the United States. It is not as popular as it was as we were kids. And I love baseball. I loved it because that was a great time to go with my dad and the family. We go to He was a Mets fan. I was a Yankees fan. But we go to – uh, Yankees games just because I was a Yankees fan or he'd go to the Mets games. But 
uh, those things, I think that's what it is, is the attention span of our youth is that's what hurts it. My son was a heck of a baseball player, but he said it was too boring. It took too long. I'm like, what do you mean? That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. And, and that's you know, the, you know, Jim, they've done a terrible job staying connected with the fans and the kids. Yes. We've stated we stated before. I mean, the games are on too late. They're on Saturday and uh, on even on the week. You know, they're they're starting at eight, nine o'clock at night. The kids can't. They used to let us stay up a little later, but it didn't go past midnight. And they're not in the communities like they used to be. Uh, I like agree. Sports are so they continually put it at odds, and they wonder why when they have a labor disagreement. That and, and Aaron Judge says something like this that everybody yeah. gets ticked off because listen, you know, you're you guys are the part of the reason, not the players individually or even as a group. Major League Baseball, period, everyone involved in it is making this game uh, uh, not a laughing stock, but something nobody wants to watch. And you're sitting back there talking about millions of dollars. And that makes people like me and even Jack and even people say, oh, they deserve the money. It frustrates us. Yeah, you, I agree with you. You know, I so you. so what do you think, honestly, about my suggestion of making it more national by just saying. I like it, but um, and shorten the game. Well, not shorten the uh Games, but shorten the season some. Instead of having 182 games, have only 140 or whatever. And but and then expanding the playoffs would help them. And, and yes, as True Pickles is right, half of the kids at the Major League Baseball on their cell phones. I think it's big personalities that sell the sport. Yeah, Who's yes. the biggest name in baseball? Otani. I was thinking he gets the more same attention. Thing. Antonio Brown gets more attention yes, than I his agree. antics. In boxing, these YouTubers like Jake Paul are doing tremendous numbers. Yes, I yes. think it's personalities. You get a lot of them in the NFL. A guy, you know, catches long touchdown passes. You know, something about him who's a guy who's charismatic. He kind of carries the sport with him. And I don't think you have that in baseball. You have Mike Trout. I mean, he's not overly charismatic. But, you know, you have a number of great players. I think when you get those personalities... The sport goes along with them. The sport gets 100%. elevated. I mean, I but... was, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of watching or, or, or involved in that special uh, with Magic Johnson, how the Lakers coach, uh, Lakers GM, uh, brings in Magic Johnson. And, of course, the Celtics bring in Larry Bird. And they basically saved basketball. Basketball That's was true. so low. Low in popularity, they weren't even showing the championship games live. I mean, folks don't realize how far basketball dropped off. Almost, they almost just dissolved. So there is hope, but there's got to be some GM or some owner out there that has to do something major. To, to, to make this happen, just like they did in basketball. It takes one or two guys to do You're something right. that's, that's so outlandish or so, you know, it's so hard in, 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 in the, the Major League Baseball, the way it's set up. You have college that really nobody pays attention to except for the teams, the fans of that college. Then you have the minor leagues that draws these personalities out, and we lose track of them. 
for three or four years, and then they finally come up. Maybe baseball's got to start bringing up these stars right away and letting them go and and building building stories around these young guys. Well, Matt, yeah, Matt, they got to have Yes, go I think it's rivalries, okay? I'm reading a book right now I picked up actually in the Dallas Storm, David Ortiz. No, He's no, talking no. about the Yankee-Red Sox rivalries. You know, the 20 years ago or so, a little less than that, the way they would go at it, the personalities, Pedro Martinez, of course, David Ortiz, Kurt Schilling on the Yankee side, Jeter, Posada, A-Rod. I mean, you don't have that even with the Yankees and Red Sox now, but you have that between teams. It was exciting. Your Cowboys, Jim, against the 49ers, the rivalry. Yeah, and the Giants and the, uh, everybody in the NFC East. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah. what I'm saying, Jack, is what I'm saying to, to solve baseball, you can wait on rivalries, but we don't care about the Dodger-Giant rivalry here. I don't know. I mean, if the Yankees and Red Sox rivalry is going, I know it's good for baseball. I'm just saying we've got to get these young stars up into the Major League Baseball faster and build stories around them. And that's where I think Major League Baseball could do something instead of letting them sit down there for three or four I years think- and all of a sudden, we lose track of them. And they bring them up, and it's like, yeah, whatever. I think they, yeah. they, they, bring but them they have to have the personalities them. because you made a good point. The Magic Birds and guys like that, even the Joe Namath, they have right. personality. You either love them or hate them, but they're not. They don't really care because right. they that helps. They benefit themselves and they benefit the sport. Right. And and maybe somebody's got to start running over to catcher once in a while again, just to just to get the social media in the buzz, you know, or or try to take somebody out. I mean, You're somebody's right. got to somebody's got to do something. I think the the biggest star you talk about, Oshani, uh, 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 I'm I'm saying Tatis is an enormous personality. Uh, mm-hmm. The way he plays the game well, and Tatis how- has been injured. I'm going to give you an example, right. guys. What created a buzz in baseball? Tim Tebow and Michael Jordan created a big buzz. Three years ago, I went to a spring training game, a Met game. I get there, and I see the lineup, and Tim Tebow's in the lineup, and I'm all excited. I'm all excited about Tim Tebow being in the starting lineup. That's, and that's crazy with all the quality players that want to feel that day. Yeah, and, and yeah, I get that because he's a major personality. I'm saying, Jack, they invest the NBA and even the NFL. They invest a lot of money and a lot of promotions and their young stars, right? I, I mean, you got your, you got your, you got your stars already. You got your Brady. All of a sudden, here comes Joe Burrows, and they go crazy with him. They promote him. He he plays well. He starts right away. They don't do that in the Major League Baseball, and I oh, think yeah. if they if somebody did that, if some team did that, and maybe they made it a little bit more national, I think baseball might take off again. Uh, I just really believe that. I, I think they've got to start bringing them young kids up sooner and promoting the hell out of them. And I think that would make a big change. Just my opinion. Yeah, it makes it, it's a good point. I think I it's a good I point. I don't know. I don't know. Guys, it's all personalities. We even talk about the USFL, XFL. Uh, a lot of people who wouldn't be watching the USFL if Baker Mayfield's going to be the starter. They'll make the whole league, they'll gear the league around him public relations-wise, and people are going to tune in. One, yep. one watch Baker Mayfield. 
I mean, even we would get sucked into it, you know. Oh, we got to make it a point because Baker Mayfield's playing. But if it was an NFL Sunday, he'd just be another guy. Yeah, yeah. Unless he's doing a commercial. Poor yeah. Baker. Yeah, poor Baker. He doesn't. You heard what happened, didn't you? What happened? You remember they he had the combo to the uh, stadium. They changed the combo on him. He can't get in the stadium. That's it. He's, he's standing there with his bags. I mean, how can that feel bad for that guy? He's Is that part of the commercial, actually? No, they. No. they this, this was it, man. Yeah, it's a man. Yeah, they decided to. Cleveland Stadium. What are they going to do? I mean, I guess they're going to find this new home and maybe do a commercial. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, wherever he goes, maybe they'll be part of the XFL or USFL promotion. Yeah. Who knows? And you're right. Who knows? And you're I right. Feel, guys. I, but you know, you can't feel too bad. Of course, he had five years. He got there, and this is last year. Eighteen point eight million is guaranteed. Yeah. Now, and you look listen, at Jimmy Garoppolo. His is not guaranteed. Right, and listen, the Browns That's did true. come one bad, stupid rule away from beating the Chiefs and going to play to the yep. championship. Yeah, so I That's mean, they true. did you have know, a shot. Baker Mayfield, I don't think has the mentality to be a backup, or the patience to be a backup for a couple of years to wait for his time to come again. That's why I don't think he'll be starting again. I don't think he could hack being on the bench. Well, you got to remember this kid. You don't know his history, just like uh, what Mac was saying a lot about baseball. He was a walk-on at Texas Tech. He was not. He was not um, signed recruited. as a uh, as yeah. a uh, recruited. He was a walk-on, yeah. and he won the starting job. He got injured, and Mahomes took over. And the, and then they didn't want to let him go to Oklahoma. They did not want to let him go to Oklahoma. So he has been in a situation where he had to fight his way back up. Yeah, I think the so kid in the right situation, he can do it. Good luck. Good luck to you, Baker. And I hope you find a new home and, and you and your wife aren't just living in the car or something like that. That would be a sad, sad wow. thing. So anyways, wow. folks, we're going to leave you with that uh, uh, as we uh, wrap up our This Week in Sports special. You guys have a great, great Sunday. Be sure to tune in Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern to watch Jack and Frank Letirzo do their thing on their boxing show. Glove Fist and Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central. Jim Jeffcoat and Byron Williams, who fish together but don't stay on the same side of the boat. Jim says he pushed him in. <laughs> Byron says that Jim would eat the fish as he was bringing him in, so he didn't want to stay next to him. So I don't know what the truth is, but somewhere in the middle. We're going to find the truth out on Wednesday. We got a golf tournament. That I'm doing, and if Byron will be there, so okay, we'll great. So, 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 and Jack will be smiling as he knows you two. I will think be Byron was saying Jim as an athlete was basically one dimensional, you know, just oh, here he goes again. Up, but Byron was an all around athlete. Oh, yeah, oh, different yeah, Jim. Byron said, Byron just could run fast. That's oh. all. Jack is such a stirrer, and that's his friend. <laughs> Byron is his friend. Do not be Jack Kirsch's yeah. enemy is all I got to tell friend, you. Yeah, when friends yeah. like Jack, you don't need that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Folks, have a great Sunday. We'll see you Thursday at the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Jack.